We have exciting news on this episode. We have a new co-host. Brooke Christensen, who's been on a few episodes with us before, is back and she's going to be in a permanent role as a co-host on More Than This. Kate and I are very excited to welcome a new member to the team. We also have another installment of Kara interviewing kids about coronavirus. Today we hear from Lily. Stay tuned after the interview for your normal More Than This episode. Enjoy. For the recording, can you please state your first name and your age? Hi, my name is Lily. I'm 10 years old and yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And Lily is my neighbor from three doors down, so she's a lot of fun to have around. We like her an awful lot. So the world's gone crazy, huh? Yeah. Yeah. If you, um, if you could say, all right, everybody, enough of this coronavirus talk. Let's talk about something else. What would you want to talk about? I don't know. Are you, are you sick of hearing people talk about coronavirus? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. So if President Trump came on and decided he was going to talk about, I don't know, Harry Potter or cats instead, would that be better? Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. What, uh, what have you been wearing around the house? Eh, my pajamas and sweatshirts and some shirts. All right. Are you brushing your hair every day? No. No? Yeah, me either. (laughs) Are you, um, helping around the house at all? Helping your mom and dad with anything? This, this morning I helped my mom in the front yard and I went, for a walk with my dad to the water. Nice. So you're getting to get outside some. Yeah. And you said you get to play outside. Do you, who, what do you play when you go outside? Soccer. Also, I like to play keep away and with my dog and he always chases the ball when I play soccer. I have a trampoline and a zip line. So I like to play on those sometimes. What's been good about the last few weeks? What have you liked? I liked, so I liked playing outside, playing my video games and calling my friends. Okay. And, and what, oh, and your grandparents, what have you not liked? What's been hard? Okay. Basically everything I didn't say <laughs> has been hard. Friends and yeah. Yeah. You're a little anxious to see people. Me too. I miss my friends too. How, how are you connecting with people right now? Um, on FaceTime. Okay. Do you do, um, I know sometimes uh, kids will play like Minecraft or something and they'll play with a friend yeah. remotely. I don't play Minecraft. I've played Fortnite once, but we, me and my mom and dad have gotten Nintendo. And oh. the way I can play with my friends is I play Roblox. Okay. Nice. Well, that's fun. So, all this crazy have you felt like worried or sad or scared at all? Yes. Yeah. Can you can you tell me what about? Like, what do you mean? Well, what is it that you're that you've been worried about? Well, I've been worried about that that some of the people that I love will die. Like, and because of coronavirus. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is scary, isn't it? Yeah. Also, I'm also worried that 
some of the older people, some of the older movies, like Mary Poppins, she's in, and like Bert, like the Bert in there. Mm -hmm. I'm worried since she and he are kind of getting older, I'm worried that they will die too. What do you do when you get worried or scared? Probably scream or something. <laughs> well, you're not screaming right now. <laughs> do you have, do you like talk to your mom or um, um, pray or journal? Anything uh, like that? I don't really journal. I kind of save my journals for like coloring and stuff. Mm -hmm. I kind of pray and talk to my mom. Those are two pretty awesome things to do. What's something that's been making you laugh the last couple weeks? Maybe a show or a book or your dad wearing his pajamas all day? I don't know. Talking about butts and stuff. <laughs> okay. And drawing farts? Fart apps. Yeah. That, that works. Is there anything that you uh, are looking forward to? I'm looking forward to, um, like, when this is all over, um, me and my friends and grandparents and people, we're going to have a go-away coronavirus party. Lily, you refresh my soul. Thank you for talking to me. It's good to see your face. I haven't seen it in a long time. Oh, thanks. All right. Well. Are we recording this? We sure are. Is that okay? Yeah. You're listening to More Than This, the podcast where Christian faith and reason explore reasons for Christian faith. Life is not a sequence program from the sky, but it's a story woven up, down, in and out, like the stitches in If you enjoy our show, please consider supporting us for as little as $1 a month on Patreon. Check out our site at www.patreon.com forward slash more than this pod. Thank you. In this episode, Brooke sits down with me to discuss some new growth coming out of the pandemic we are enduring. It's a hopeful follow-up to the episode we did a few months ago on Lament. Enjoy. So Brooke. David. We're back. And the last time we were together, we were talking about grief. Mm -hmm. And something called COVID-19. So, yes, and I wanted I want to say uh, a few things before we jump into our topic for today. For one, Brooke is back, and that is not happenstance. So one of the lovely things that I'm just going to chalk this up to a, a blessing of COVID, Brooke, because it came during this season, even though it's not directly <laughs> responsible. Uh, Brooke is going to be joining more than this as a co-host, so she's going to be featuring on a lot of our shows going forward. Kate has not gone away. We're just uh, having a deeper bench. Uh, just pragmatically with all of our schedules, it's hard to schedule these conversations. And right now, Kate is also awash in uh, caring for kids during lockdown and working full time. So, uh, and trying to, to educate her children at home. So, um, all of the things just kind of came together. And we just love Brooke's voice on the podcast. And also, Brooke lives like seven minutes from me, so we get to record in person. Uh, all of this is to say, welcome, Brooke. It's lovely to have you. Uh, and just uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. I'm really excited. 
we're, I was thinking we're like the dynamic trio now. (laughs) Dynamic trio. Exactly. A trio of voices. Exactly. And, uh, if we can get sort of spiritually reflective for a moment, I, I really was praying a lot about having Brooke on the show. I just kept feeling from the Holy Spirit, just kind of like a prompting, like I'm not, I'm, and I'm not one to claim this sort of all the time, you know. But I was like, I felt like God was sort of just sort of nudging us together, and every time you know we would record, it just felt like, boy, this is really good. Can we keep this going? So, and I've got such great feedback uh, from people that have listened to those episodes and just said. Brooke is great. You should have her on more often. And Brooke, I think you you were also sort of thinking this way as well, were you not? Yeah, I think it was our last conversation after grief. I walked out uh, from the conversation and I thought, because I've been thinking about, or you have been encouraging me, pushing me, continuing to remind me to start my own podcast. That's but right. I, but I walk, being a cheerleader, but then I walked out of that conversation and I thought, well, actually, God, if... I would really just want to be on David's podcast with him all the time. (laughs) It sounds like so much work to start my own. Maybe I could just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. And then I think, what was it? Three or four weeks later, I just called me up. Just called up and was like, hey. So, (laughs) yep. It's been uh, pretty fantastic how it came together. So, I'm excited. Um, So, that's a little bit of a backstory on, on us going forward and exciting future for the show. Um, but Brooke, we're going to pick up actually kind of where we left off with our last conversation. Um, I made a, uh, a vow to our listeners that we were not going to do a lot of heavy COVID themed episodes going forward. I think we're all kind of tired of a certain flavor of COVID at this point. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to hear about flattening the curve or phases of reopening the economy or whether, uh, the pandemic was, uh, you know, contrived, contrived by a cabal of like progressive people who want to like, you know, shut down the economy and screw Donald Trump or Mm-mm. I, I haven't th- heard that one yet. <laughs> oh, you haven't been on Facebook, my friend. Sorry, this is going to be very topical if people listen back. But yes, there's there's been all kinds of things going around. Um, but we did, we wanted to talk about, we had talked about stages of grief last time. And we talked about sort of mapping ourselves in that, you know, either depression anger, bargaining, denial, or anger, or acceptance. Oops, acceptance. I said anger twice. Maybe I, maybe, maybe <laughs> I know where you with, are. <laughs> no, you know where I am. <laughs> yep, I just voted for that one twice. But uh, we actually have been thinking about, okay, this is life. Like right now, this is life. We're, so we're kind of picking up with the theme of acceptance and what in equilibrium a little bit because it's been long enough, I think some of us are kind of getting to a point where things are starting to reopen-ish, um, and things have changed, maybe in some ways indelibly um, going forward. Like I think COVID has made an impact in some ways that uh, it, there are sort of rhythms and things and, and ways of thinking and opportunities that have emerged that probably will never quite recede. Mm-hmm. So we, I think, Brooke, uh, we struggled to sort of throw a lasso around exactly what we wanted to say in this episode, but I think some of it was around not being Pollyanna and just saying, oh, COVID's great, it's been wonderful, mm-hmm. but not, you know, God forbid, but thinking through what are some things that have sort of become clear, what are some things that have been sort of laid bare and shown to be opportunities and sort of maybe parts of what 
uh, a new normal might look like as much as I hate that expression. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think one thing that I saw recently um, that made me consider more what what is coming or what what are the opportunities in this time where are the spaces for innovation um was something i saw um on instagram uh from a sort of contemporary icon maker i think i would call him he uh put a made a little image of a little church going through an hourglass like a little cute little steeple church and as it goes through the hourglass, it becomes like a little pile of, of uh, dust or something at the bottom. And then the words he said was, if you love the form, you have everything to lose. If you love what gives it its form, you're free to s- receive whatever it is turning into. Now, of course, he's speaking about the church here. And, um, and I think that's something I've observed not even... I think we're, we'll talk a little bit about that, the church that we are both a part of, the big church and the smaller churches, of course. Mm-hmm. But also, I think what I've been observing in how I've been operating these last few months, like been in full-on grief, experiencing all the stages, running through them probably daily, weekly, but starting to realize whether I like it or not, I'm slowly coming to, like you said, acceptance. Mm-hmm. This is going to be around for a while. Our life is forever changed. So I'm an eternal optimist, which has been pressed a bit on the last two months because, yeah. Things have, have been a little crappy. They've been mm-hmm. a little crappy, yeah, to mm-hmm. say the least. But I feel like my there's opportunity again for me to come back a bit like, oh, yeah, there is opportunity in this. There is room for innovation. Um, and not just sitting in a corner crying because I may never get to go to my big church service again, which I love. And I, I love worshiping with a few thousand people. It's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, maybe there's also opportunity in that. And I, th- I think this is interesting. So we often start our episodes by laying out um, kind of two sides of a, a debate that feels very polarized, right? And America being America, we, we've already arrived there. Uh, we just needed a few weeks of shock to sort of put us on our heels. And then we did get back to one sense of new normal in that we are, you know, polarized and, and factionalized. So um, I, Brooke, I read an article the other day. Uh, someone, one of my friends posted, of course, uh, and said, reject the idea of a new normal. So um, on one side, there's this idea that, you know, oh my gosh, everything has changed. Nothing will ever be the same. And just sort of hand-wringing. And on the other side, you know, more of a conservative by nature because they're trying to conserve what was, saying, no, reject the, the idea of a new normal. Like, we have to get back to exactly what was before. Uh, really looking for certainty, right? Like grabbing for certainty and saying, all kinds of evil is going to come in under this rubric, this guise of the new normal, like all kinds of like evil agenda and things. And then on the other side, basically people are just sort of lost or mooring completely and just saying, Oh, this is the new normal. The new normal is not knowing anything and it's topsy turvy and it's full of fear. And it's really fear on both sides. Um, and I think what I, I hear us wanting to do in this episode is sort of cutting through some of that fear because mm-hmm. there's there's plenty well enough to be afraid of, 
with mm. COVID, right? I mean, there's a lot of awful things to it, but also just looking and saying, okay, if we take all the fear out about the future or try to not see through that lens of fear where we demand that we have to get back to life exactly as it was before or everything is just chaotic, I can never leave my house again, I can never do anything again. Because you hear people on this side too and people villainizing anybody who goes out of their house to do anything that doesn't have a mask on and goes, God forbid you go to Target and you don't need toilet paper. You know, like whatever, everybody's become very judgy of each other's motives for being out and where they shouldn't, shouldn't be and how many people mm-hmm. should be there. So I think what we're, we're kind of saying is like, okay, what would it look like to look forward without fear the, through the lens of fear and just say, what are, what are we seeing that's kind of come up that's become clear for us in a state of acceptance? Mm-hmm. As we kind of accept this and we dial the fear back in our brains and we can get to the part of our brains that can actually kind of see and reflect on things again. Mm-hmm. What are we seeing on ref- and reflecting on? What are we appreciating? And you brought up yeah, the idea of the church. You brought up the idea of the church. And I think that's where we'll start. It's been quite different for us. So Brooke and I will, we have a common experience because we go to the same uh, church body. And as Brooke said, it is massive. It is exactly the type of thing that will not return to normal anytime soon under conditions of COVID. Because, you know, when we get together for a service, Brooke, there are 2,000 or 2,500 people in the room. Um, we're, we're closely packed together. And, you know, it's just, you know, an epidemiologist nightmare, right? Mm-hmm. For transmission of things, you know, we're sitting so close and we used to, we used to hold hands. Do you remember this at the service? Like we would hold the hand of the person next to us during a prayer. At Can, the end. Yeah. The, so we did away with that a while ago, I think during a flu season, <laughs> but, um, and we, we have individualized communion, like self-contained communion cups that we use, but all of that is not coming back anytime soon. And I think, Brooke, the thing that this has done for me in in America, in the West, particularly the U.S., we like to divide things. You know, in terms of the church, we have been we just continue to split churches, right? Hmm. You know, we we form new movements, we ch- we yeah. pl- we church plant all these things that aren't necessarily pernicious or evil in themselves, but we fracture the body of Christ, the church, over and over and over and over again, and a lot of times that has taken the shape and really materializes in places. Like we have separate buildings, right? We have separate buildings that sort of suit our worship style or aesthetic. Whenever a new church starts, they often get their own building and that's a sign of autonomy and identity. And the buildings have largely been taken away from groups of people and people are what is left. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I think too, it starts to, like, um, a hard question starts to ring out as I listen to you say that, and that is, what do I love the most? Mm. Like, it, do I really love the way it's always been, or do I love a person? Do I, like, wh- who is really my God? Is it this certain form? Is it this certain way? And if I'm honest with myself, I do really like things about that form. Um, but I also get a lot more anxiety, David, when, if I think about trying to conserve the form 
and make two, 2,500 people wear masks, make sure 2,500 people are sanitizing their hands as they go in, as they leave, making sure social distancing and uh, tape is on the floor, and starting to feel like you become police people in church, trying to make sure everyone is following the rules. That sounds horrible. And, and so much of being a community together is talking to each other, smiling, hugging, and you can't do any of that because you can't see a face. You can't have a cup of coffee because your mask has to stay on. And when I start to think down the road of what it would actually look like, to bring 2,500 people together? I think, no way, no way. Because the core of that, connecting, smiling, whatever, that can happen on online forums, it can happen in smaller groups. Like you said, the people, a lot more of the conversation around the people starts to come up and that gets exciting to me. Um, And as you know, like the last 10 years, I was involved with church planting. So I, as we start to have these bits of conversation regarding this, I get really excited because I think, oh, <gasps> what are the opportunities? What could da-da-da? What could da-da-da? Um, so there's, you know, and of course, that's from my background. And, and uh, but I think it is maybe helpful to start thinking a little bit like church, more like church planters in terms of being creative. And let's try it. Who knows? It may not work. Oh, well, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try this, you know? Yeah, and it, it's, <laughs> the possibilities are very interesting because um, it's a lot easier to pull people in uh, that maybe weren't part of your your geographic church, right? Where you have people in conversation, and the where you sort of get um, fed and fulfilled in relationship, especially spiritual friendship, is going to look a little bit different. Because I think one of the things that's interesting is that um, so much of going to a 2,500-person church is about, um, it's great. I'm not here to to vilify anything, but it's also, it's a lot of a performative act, right? There's, There's people on the stage, and there's like, you know, music being played, and somebody speaking to you, and you can often not know the person next to you or or anyone around you and you don't get to talk that much. And it is a very different way of doing spiritual community. I mean, that's a good anchor, but right now much, much more of it is more formative and conversational than it is just sort of receiving things and it's smaller, right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't make sense to have a rock band uh, play when you've got seven people on a Zoom call, right? <laughs> like you're not going to have a, a rock and roll band and like seven people awkwardly raising mm. their hands I on. I miss the band though. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the band's great. It is. You're right. But it it doesn't translate well, and even preaching a formal sermon um, doesn't translate well. You know, to like six or seven people. Um, We've it, seen everything be shortened. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, and yeah, forms of service are shortened because it just it doesn't make as much sense for people to stay online and kind of hang in with even the services we do broadcast or see broadcast. The smart people have cut them down. They've curtailed them. Yep. Because yep. there's, I mean, just to add, because there's an opportunity and limitation with every medium, right? And I'm really glad that, yeah. Our, our community, for example, has said, well, let's make the service about 55 an hour because yeah. that's about all you can be staring at a screen. And that's really good. It is really that good. That form is limited. 
but but the other interesting thing is um people i know this for a fact like people who i know who go to other churches pastors from other churches say you know somebody from like zimbabwe was watching our church service like people who wouldn't ordinarily get to enter your building are able to now worship alongside of you in a different way and there's no getting around i don't want people to say that i'm against people being together and that co-presence doesn't mean something people being together in the flesh means a lot but i think this sort of democratizes uh things like church in a way and you know even if we take it outside the realm of the church brooke i, I couldn't afford to go to um an adele concert and a taylor swift concert and a Coldplay concert and mumford and sons concert but all of these bands have put on shows for free right i get to like see them in their living room and they're doing a performance that i get to be part of it's not the same as being there but i get access to it sort of flattens things a bit it doesn't you know it it just sort of democratizes things it pushes things down and pushes them out to more people so more people get to experience a lot of things that we didn't used to um through this time so so elitism has kind of gone a different way and when you think even about materialism, um, you know, there's been a, it's been very interesting. Brooke, this is just sort of background chatter, but um, there's a school of thought, you know, people like over the generations. Um, this, this came up because a lot of uh, baby boomers, uh, actually the greatest generation is starting to die and baby boomers are retiring and they're getting closer to death. And, you know, baby boomers are, were going through like their parents' things and they're like, we don't want all of this crap, right? Like we don't want all of these material things. It used to be, Brooke, you probably know this, but people used to get China for their wedding, like dishes, like fancy dishes and you don't use them except for special guests, right? Like, and now, you know, Gen X, when they're looking at their boomer parents, they're like, oh, Hell no, we don't want China. We don't want your China. We don't want your tchotchkes and trinkets, and we don't want your like superfluous furniture. We don't want all this stuff. <laughs> and as you trickle down toward millennials, you, you hear, you know, everybody's about experience, right? You, you go to a mall and you shop, but it's all about experience. And most malls that are still successful have like a lot of restaurants outside, right? Like, you know, there's like an area and they have like a theater. Lifestyle center? Is that what that's they, called? They're now? called like lifestyle annex. Yes, where you go and get to like hang out. Like, I felt cool for knowing that, by yeah, the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, so the, yeah, we have a mall here called Polaris and they have what's called the lifestyle annex. And we, ha- oh, we are so Midwest. If you haven't been to Columbus Brook, they don't know about Easton, Ooh. which is seriously uh, probably at least... A two, one or two square miles e- easily a couple several square miles of shopping dining entertainment uh beauty services and people come from all over the midwest to just they have hotels around it people will basically vacation there and just kind of you can live at easton for a day or two if you would like and it, it's set up to mimic a small town it has like a town square and you know so People so we are, have these experiences. People are coming. Yeah. They're, now they're like, they want to consume experiences. They don't want things. And COVID has sort of taken both of those things away. 
like if you want to just go out and buy a bunch of material goods, you kind of can, but you can't show them off to anybody and you can't really enjoy them unless they're in your home. So you can get some things. But if you really want to go out and live it up and travel and ski the Swiss Alps and, you know, eat, you know, $1,000 sushi and whatever with your friends, you can't do that either. We're all kind of in the same boat, right? I mean, obviously with different levels of resource and things, but it's, it's not the same, right? No. And what are people doing? It's getting really simple. Yes. They're running to your bike shop and buying bikes. Yes. I, I mean, what, what year is it? It's so interesting. I know. The, low, the lowest tech thing in the world is a bicycle. And I work at a bike shop on the weekends and we, have, we can't keep bikes in stock. My owner's owned the company for 30 years and he's never seen anything Isn't like it. that amazing? Incredible. Biking, walking, running. It's like these, yeah, hobbies. Or I can't tell you how many puzzles I've done so far. <laughs> and try to try to buy a puzzle online, Brooke. Can you find? You can't find them. Really? No, you can't find them. Amazon, and they're they're getting marked up. If you do find them, they're oh they're my. at a premium. Yeah, you know, sewing sewing machines are selling again. People are sewing because they're making masks and they're they're doing crafty things around the house. They're creating things more than consuming. So I think it's just very interesting in this place of acceptance that we're coming back to. I hate the term making. It just sounds so dumb and modern. You know, like makers. I'm a maker. It just means you make crafts or build something. But you call them makers. It sounds like George H.W. Uh, Bush. Like, man, he's a maker. He makes things. You know, like, uh, just it just sounds like somebody wasn't very bright who came up with that term. But, yes, you know, that show Making It, Brooke. Have you heard of that? It's like a crafting show. No. Yeah, so I guess it was already a trend, but I think people are sort of dialed back to this where they're creating a little bit more than consuming. Uh, we still have a, we're still a consumer-based culture and probably will be, but it's interesting to see the pendulum have swung. And I wonder how people living through this time will come out on the other side when it comes to just unmasking some of the what consumption can and cannot do for you, yeah. you know? And I think that has real direct through line to church as well in terms of who really stays and what they really do to participate in uh, some sort of spiritual community and also blurring the lines of who's in and who's out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and some of the things maybe that used to feel really holy or, or maybe there's a better use of word or um, like precious. That's a better word. Things that used to feel precious and they had to be this way. Like for example, I really love uh, the Alpha course. It's uh, like a course uh, introduction to Christian faith that came out of Holy Trinity Brompton in the UK. And millions and millions of people have gone through this all over the world. But the Alpha course, a precious quote unquote part of it is a dinner, a short introductory, really cool video and group discussion. And all of a sudden you can't have the dinner and you can't be in this like little close group where you get to banter and say everything you think, even if, you know, it's the, yeah, it goes against the video. All of that has to look different. And just this, I've been taking part in an online alpha and I was super skeptical, like, no, this can't work because alpha has to have a dinner and has to have this and it has to have this. And I'm three weeks in and I'm realizing, David, it works. It works perfectly. You know, within three weeks, we're having these deep, vulnerable conversations. People are saying what they think, they're being open, and we're online. So I find that really interesting that things that feel precious, actually in any 
area of life, but particularly maybe in the church, actually, does it really have to be that way? And yes, we would all agree dinner is better, but we can't have dinner right now. So either we don't do the thing or we do it a different way, right? right? (laughs) And I think what happens even so much involuntarily, we adapt, right? Like if if you introduce a child into a family, things change and they don't feel normal. But the more you live and create uh, rituals around having a child in your family, they will again. Now you can probably remember like, oh, do you remember what it was like before we had a kid and we could do this? And But it, it doesn't feel like things aren't normal anymore. And we've been at this long enough where I think acceptance has started to come. Mm-hmm. And it's not even, acceptance comes in the guise of not realizing that what we're doing isn't so normal anymore or isn't unusual anymore. And kind of insisting on this is what it has to be like. Because mm-hmm. that is kind of the the tacit statement of, of dissatisfaction and when things change, like it's like, no, things have to be this other way in order for them to be normal. Mm-hmm. And what we're really looking at is something that is uh, normative. So I want to tease out that difference. Yeah. So normative is, uh, is our views about what how things ought to be. Like what things should be like, what is considered good or right versus what is not normative, like, you know, bad or out you know sort of outside and then what is normal is usually informed by what we think ought to be right if everybody sort of agrees something ought to be this way then what becomes normal is usually that um so what what has become normal now and what has become normative have started to be decoupled so what has to be toppled is the idea of what how things ought to be right Things ought to be this way. We ought to be able to do this. We ought to be able to do this. And it turns out it was just normative. It was just something we thought should be Uh that way. And what we're starting to be showed in the time of acceptance as we move toward acceptance and sort of integrate that is that has become debunked, that it doesn't have to be this way. Um, It doesn't mean that everything that comes in is, is good or preferable. But at least we let go of that vice grip of like things have to be this way because our brains really like to go that direction. We like certainty. We like to know. And you hear it in that camp that's saying don't accept the new normal because, no, they're saying it has to be a certain way because they want certainty. They want predictability. And it's just, it's not available. But I think we've also started to tacitly shift in this acceptance and realize that what we thought was just was normal is actually just normative. Mm -hmm. Things we were saying had to be or ought to be a certain way. Mm Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's it I think that's really good what you said and it reminds me that very often we don't even get to do these sorts of things in our normal everyday culture. These sorts of conversations to observe those aspects often come when you travel somewhere and you may in a different city or a different country and then you come back and you're all of a sudden wow, you observe what used to just be uh what's the word? normal. Is that am I using the right term? Yeah, what 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 just used to make sense? This is the way it is, and then all of a sudden you realize that it's one way. Yes. But now we're not having to travel to another country or go move to another city for a year. We're having we're having localized culture shock. Absolutely. That's interesting. And and that's really interesting. Yeah. And Yeah. And so much of this yeah. is really bumped up against our rights as well. 
So I wanted to, we usually talk about inflection points, Brooke, like kind of like as we move toward acceptance, where did we kind of shift out of, because I still have my days where I'm not fully feeling human and happy and healthy and, you know, rosy, but mostly I've moved more toward acceptance. Um, and I think for me, an inflection point was uh, some some of what you're talking about, just where I started to, well, I started to sort of see it through people not adapting elsewhere. And I, you know, I started to, to see people kind of uh, melting down over things like masks and things like that and having where it really became about rights. And uh, I think for me, acceptance came when I was like, if I live life primarily about what I should be able to do and individual degrees of freedom and rights and things I can pick up and put down and, and plan and not have anybody interfere with and, and just assert my will, this is a bad time. But is my inflection point was, that's not life. what life was ever about. That's what, a, what is normative in America. That's what we say is good. Individualism, individual rights. And if that's what you're insisting on as normative, this is kind of a shitty time for you. Like this is this is not a good time. If you're all about individual rights and asserting and doing exactly what you want to do, this is not a good time for you. You're going to struggle. Mm-hmm. And I think my point of acceptance and inflection was just sort of like, hey, I'm going to be grateful for the things I do get to do. But the more I mandate and insist that life be about bending to my whim, and being able to go to the mall or do this thing or hang out with a certain number of people, um, there's still a lot of good in a lot of the choices that we get to make when we do when we have freedom to do so. But just bare fact, full stop, insisting that we have individual freedom and that's what life is primarily about and protecting those things, that that has not gone well for people. And that's where I started to have an inflection point where I had to face that in myself. I'm like, that's not primarily what I live for, especially as a Christian. Like life is about surrender to God's will and uh, being a light in the world uh, that brings hope, uh, hope of the gospel, the hope of Jesus. And me just insisting on my rights just has nothing to do with the gospel and living life that way in this time and in fact, it's actually pretty dangerous for other people. It, it works well maybe when the economy is good and everybody can kind of like get along and go along. But right now, uh, more is required of us, I think, as Christians. And it's sort of, if that's ultimately what feels normative for you, what should be is just a state of absolute individual autonomy and actualization, uh, it's not going to go well for you. Yeah. And I had to face yeah. that in myself and be like, hmm. that's not what I primarily am living for. Mm-hmm. I had to do a value check, basically. Mm-hmm. What was it for you, Brooke? Did you, did you have sort of a an event or just sort of a series of thoughts that sort of made you... It's th- been more a series of thoughts or sort of observing how I'm living and sort of starting to make connection points, I think. But one of those points for me was recognizing like how my life has gotten smaller and more more present in here in this space, in this bit of the world. Now, granted, I'm still really sad about that, that I think I had three or four trips cancel this this, uh, spring, summer. Um, And hopefully that comes back at some point. But what I'm recognizing is this sort of being present and also 
even my circle can't go back to what it was, you know? And, and this is also something about regarding our culture. We were talking about it uh, earlier today that we like, we like chatty conversation with lots of people. We're friendly. We have big circles, you know, when we have a birthday party, we have 30, 40 people there. But are those really, are really close people? If we're honest with ourselves, no. And I'm recognizing the people that I'm seeing in my circle, it's really small, but I'm realizing these are the, the people, these are the people in my life. Um, and maybe that's okay. Maybe it's okay that there's, um, I was talking to a dear friend, she I, we used to live together in Amsterdam, and at the moment she's in Spain, where she's originally from. Um, thankfully, her husband can work from a distance, and she gave up her work, and they are there. And she was talking about how her life is just very small at the moment. And she wasn't talking about that negatively, but she was sort of observing, like, I wake up and I take feed my child, we go take a long nature walk, we... I do some reading while she naps. I work in my mom's garden. We cook dinner, have a conversation with my husband, and we go to bed. And she's observing this, and she's like, wow. And then in my normal life back in Amsterdam, or I would even say my normal life, we, we try to pile so much else on top of that. All these expectations, all these things that we have to. And I start to, I've been starting to think about like, wow, what have we done to ourselves as humanity? You know, like yeah. our normal lives are just ones they, that never say frenetic. enough. Never they're, say enough. Yeah, they're frenetic, David. And all of a sudden, we don't like it that it's changed, but we we're limited. We can't do as much. We can't see as many people. And maybe that's actually the way it's supposed to be. Maybe maybe that's what a human person's capacity is. I think I, I don't know. I think maybe I'm being very dramatic. <laughs> I know. I know. Just kidding. I think I, know. I think maybe culturally we're we started mourning the thing we actually were missing. And maybe that's what we're accepting now is that enough is actually enough. Like this small what we're realizing okay it feels weird because if you're living in that idea where you should always acquire more and do more and you're never quite enough this is very insecure to be stripped down so bare because it's like, well, that's not enough. But the longer you live with it, you realize that nothing fatal has happened in that. Yeah. And you actually, uh, in some ways, are probably going to be sad when the roads are totally jammed again. You're stuck in traffic. You've got to balance all kinds of schedules and activities and things. And, you know, a schedule and a, a lifestyle that never says enough. And, but the the challenge has been coming out of that and looking at something smaller and realizing that you're still intact and you have a life and it really is enough. Yeah. And the people that you're surrounded with, although there's fewer of them, they're the ones that mattered all along maybe, or uh, you're prioritizing people that mm-hmm. really, really you are your people. Are your people. And are your people. Yeah. And maybe to come full circle back to where we began with church, we got personal, we started with church. I was I was reminded of something you said when we were initially talking about this episode. You said, we can't rebuild the old house mm-hmm. and let us honor the thing that's come out instead. And I think 
regarding church that that process is happening and what we're finishing with right right now as at a personal level that process is happening as well we're recognizing even if we could build the old house back up or the way my life was two two or three months ago is that what i want what what can i honor what is coming out of this i thought that was really good what you said oh i don't know if you remember saying it but i wrote it down No, no, but that that image actually comes out of my past, where I had uh, I actually had like a a vision um, where God showed me uh, a, f- a friend of mine, and um, they had had uh, just a lot of trauma. Like they had um, their fiance had died in a car accident, and they had lost a lot in the previous like few years. And a picture was she was living among rubble. And she was trying to stack the rubble to sort of build back the house that it had, it had originally been. And um, that's, you know, we talked about that and it really spoke to her. It was something that God wanted her to know. Like um, so much of life when, and you, when you go through loss feels like the temptation is there's all this rubble here. I'm going to try to fit it back together and recreate what was original, but you can't do it. It's impossible. If something is blown up and COVID has basically been a cultural blow up, right? Like think lives have, have been blown up. And when we look to reform them, even if you tried, all the pieces won't fit the same way. They won't. Uh, and I think there's a period of grieving that you go through with that and anger and all the stages of grief that we talked about. But the idea that whatever you can form is going to look different, but you have to have an eye to see what is coming out instead of just saying, I think I remember what the original looked like. And maybe mm. we romanticize what the original looked like. Maybe we can't even quite remember, but we have some idealized image and we're just going to try mm-hmm. to build that back. Yeah. And it maybe never was. Yeah. But then there's something different coming out. And I think to fit the flow of our show, that's kind of my stretch too, is I think about a stretch is just being patient to see and having trust in God to see what is coming out, what is emerging. And that requires a sort of quietness. It requires sort of a non-demandingness. It requires sort of a mindfulness and to see what is possible. And I'm not saying it's all good, that there's not hard things, but I think that there probably is something that is emerging that, that needs to be honored as we come out of this for each and every person, each and every family, each and every situation. It's going to look a little different and the pieces will not fit exactly together. It may be largely the same, but there's going to be some modifications. Um, and how to sort of coming to grips with it and accepting it is the way to start seeing it, I think. Mm, that's good. That's deep, Brooke. That is deep, David. We're deep. Look at us. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking too, can I add one thing? Before we close, or should we close? One and a half things you can add. One and a half things? I don't care. Yeah, please. Well, this work of observation. Yeah. uh, That's the word that comes to mind for me. Like, I feel like I'm in this point of observing my life, observing what has changed, observing where the tension rests, observing where things, if I'm honest, I actually kind of like it uh, this way. Um, And maybe a more quote unquote spiritual or Christian term is it almost feels like we're being invited into kind of a collective examine of consciousness. Mm. You know, the examine, I think it's 
from St. Ignatius of Loyola, the the Jesuits, Uh, but this idea of observing your life and observing an area of consolation and an area of desolation every day. Um, And in some ways, I feel like where I'm at, and I think the opportunity for all of us right now is to, to observe what is happening and to start to name, like, that's consolation for me. That's interesting. Why is that consolation? That is desolation, you know? Or another less, quote unquote, churchy way to say it is what gives life and what takes life. Yes. And I feel like this, this, it's this opportunity to jump off what you said to notice and to observe and to rest in that and not just quickly run to try to find a new normal. But hey, I think we're meant to stick here for a little while. In, in the bridge between what was and what is coming, uh, the bridge uh, between, you know, the old house and what is going to come out of it, the new thing um, that will be built. And so sitting in that space, for me, feels very holy right now and very timely. And it sounds good on a podcast, but I know there's going to be times where I just want to recreate exactly what I had before in some way. I know I will. So... Stick with us. We don't have it all figured out, but we wanted to sort of bookend uh, and talk about acceptance and moving on and sort of shifting the COVID conversation forward um, away from some of the politicization and those things. So hopefully we've done that. I think it's a a firecracker of a first conversation for Brooke and her new (laughs) co-host role. So happy about uh, all the conversations Mm. we'll get to have. And I'm sure she and Kate will chat at some point in the future too. So we'll we'll mix up the the circles. Uh, So thanks for being with us. Ta-ta. Ta-ta. Life's not a sequence program from the sky. Life's a story.